I didn't want to go to college until we pay that off. But then I found a college that I could pay per semester instead of per hour of credit. And I thought, oh, I can hack that. And so I took like the whole zero to bachelor's degree in five months. And while I was still trying to scale caffeine and also pay off debt. How do you start a marketing agency from working as a social media intern with no previous experience in the field? What are the benefits to becoming an investor? Stick around as today's guest shares his journey from taking a social media role because no one else wanted to do it, to then running his own six plus figure marketing agency and learning how to become an investor and be a part of a business in a new way. What do you want to do with your life? What do you want to do with your life? What do you want to do with your life? Understandably, a tough question for any 20-something to answer. So join me, your host, Taylor Marks of the Rise Year Podcast, as I talk with some cool people about what they do and occasionally go on long rants of my own about the pains of growing up. Today's guest is founder and chief marketing officer of Caffeine Marketing, Evan Knox. I run an agency called Caffeine Marketing, and we make marketing profitable for small companies that are doing less than $50 million a year in annual revenue. And that might look like websites, social media ads, but it all starts with marketing strategy so that the marketing that we do for them is actually profitable. Um, I'm also a small business investor, and I'm a partner in eight different companies right now, which is a ton of fun. I serve as like the CMO um, of those little small businesses. So for sure busy, but I love it. It's a lot of fun. So what got you started in marketing? Because I guess marketing is your main thing and is investing kind of your newer addition to what you've been doing? It is. Um, and it's less like day trading stocks investing and more so investing in small companies. Uh, I started in marketing because my grandfather, he actually, he went to school for marketing and taught me marketing. He owned his own small business. And so he would teach me when I was like 12 or 13, he'd be like, hey, we're gonna place this ad in the Atlanta Symphony. Here's what it's going to say. Here's our clientele in this area. And he would walk me through mistakes that people made. And I really loved the strategy and I loved the messaging behind it. I thought it was really interesting. Fast forward to a, you know, maybe three or four years ago, there was a nonprofit that I was working at. They were like, basically, hey, someone needs to run our social media and do our marketing for us. Hey, Evan, would you do it? And I remember going, I don't, I don't want to run social media, but sure, I'll do it. Why not? Um, and that was the catalyst that really get me to, to gain the experience in paid advertising and marketing strategy and social media. And then from there, I ended up launching um, my company. What were you doing at, I guess we could start with that. What were you doing at the nonprofit? And then, so you transferred into doing social media marketing and stuff. What was the biggest hurdle you then had to kind of get over into doing social media marketing? So the first one was my ego. So the role that I was serving was more like campus leadership assistant. So I reported to like the head guy at that campus and that was a ton of fun. I just got to basically do whatever I wanted. <laughs> so when they were like, Hey, someone needs to run our social media. I was like, ah, it's like two in the weeds. I didn't say that, but my heart felt that. And I just was like, sure, absolutely. I'll do it. That's what I said. But what I felt was like, this, this is weird, but I ended up loving the strategy and ended up being really good at it. And 
Then the next biggest hurdle to starting my own company, um, and I started it because in part because my dad had just passed away, my grandfather was about to retire, and I thought, you know what, I can't help them anymore, but I can help other small business owners like them. And so the biggest obstacle, I think, was paying off student loan debt. So my wife had about $90,000 in student loan debt between a car and student loan debt. I know we got married um, and she's wonderful and it was worth that for sure. But it was definitely a hard pill to swallow because I had just lived debt free my whole life yeah. at that point. Yeah, it was tough to balance. It was tough to balance starting this thing from scratch. And when do I pay the company to grow the company? And when do I pay off student loan debt? And so it was definitely a tricky balance. So how long have you had the company now? Three and a half years. Okay. So now are you kind of like at a steady point where you have things down and you know how everything works and whatnot, <laughs> sort of? Yeah, yeah. I, I'll say I feel a lot more confident. The first year was just like, I mean, the whole thing was bootstrap. You know, I never took like any funding or whatever, but I didn't necessarily need to. It was a lot of learning in the beginning. I mean, you just learn little things. Like if you're in an intake meeting with a potential client, little things that they'll say, you'll go, oh, I know now that that's not a good fit. Like they're not going to be a good client and we're not going to be a good fit for each other. So it's little things like that that you pick up over time. You also learn more about what actually works versus what you think um, or what is taught that you're supposed to do. At the end of the day, a business cares about growing their bottom line. And so if you can help them do that and you learn how to do that effectively, you're going to get more clients. How did you learn these skills? So you went to college, correct? Yes, but not in a typical order. So I started caffeine and then about a year in, we were really close to paying off all the debt. We were like at 20, 30,000 or so. And I didn't want to go to college until we'd pay that off. But then I found a college that I could pay per semester instead of per hour of credit. And I thought, oh, I can hack that. And so I took like the whole zero to bachelor's degree in five months. And while I was still trying to scale caffeine and also pay off debt. And so my degree was in marketing. I will say already doing marketing and knowing marketing helped me do that so quickly because a lot of stuff that was all related to business and marketing, I was already familiar with. So I was able to basically just like take the final, you know, on marketing. So that's good. Dang. So what made you go and get the bachelor's degree if you already, you know, had an established business and you were already working with clients and whatnot? To me, it was a distraction. So here I had this you know, authority in the space because of being able to grow these different small businesses, but occasionally it would come up, well, where'd you go to school? And the minute I said, I did not go to school, you know, it was just like, deal was lost. Like not once would that deal ever go through. To me, I was just like, I'm just gonna get this out of the way. I'm just done. I'm done this being a conversation point that I wanna have. I knew that I could, do college and just get out of the way. So do you think it's beneficial for people who are maybe in your circumstance or maybe they're in college, but they want to mm -hmm. drop out or they end up dropping out? Like, is it worth it to stick through college and just get that piece of paper and the degree rather than not having one anyway? If you have a parent or somebody in your family who's paying for your college or you have scholarships for college that are paying for most of it, say 75% of it, I, I would go to college. I would just get it. Now, I don't think it's a way, I don't think people waste their time in four years of college. I'm not saying that it's a waste of time. 
to me, it felt like a waste of time. Like it like the pace that I want to run at and what I wanted to do, I was like, Oh, four years. That's eternity. I cannot, I can't do that. I didn't get the typical college experience, you know what I mean? But I didn't want it. And so I think if you know that about yourself, that's fine. And I'm not saying it's a waste to go to college for four years. Um, but if you have someone paying for it, for sure do it. But actually get the most of it if you're there. And then if you don't have someone paying for it, and you're paying for it out of pocket, I would, especially if you have to get loans, I would be very careful because that's probably going to be one of the worst investments that you make. That $100,000 that my wife had in student loan debt it's probably paid for itself, but not really. I mean, like how much more is she getting paid per year for having that degree? Not much. Did it help her get those jobs? Totally. But there's other jobs she could have gotten that were probably paid similar. So I think a degree is great. If someone else pays for it, I also think a scholarship is great, but I would be careful in getting into a lot of debt because if you really do love education, you want to get a great education, um, just get a, a decent bachelor's degree and then go get a job and then have your employer pay for your MBA or whatever higher education that you want and not go into a ton of debt. So would you consider getting a master's? I would. I was having this really? conversation with somebody. Yeah, I was having this conversation with somebody yesterday. It's a similar thing to Everest for me. It's almost like um, I don't think I care what other people think around that regard um, or when it comes to like I want to climb Mount Everest. I, I want to do it and not tell anybody about it. Like, I don't want the letters by my name. I don't want people to know I have a master's, but I just want to do something hard. I think I would do it just to, just to prove to myself that I can do it. So, but I want to pay for it in cash. That's the other thing is like, I would, I would love for my company because I can write off part of it. Um, I'd love to just have my company pay for it. You know what I mean? Set up the right systems and processes in my company where I only have to work 10 hours a week and I can just go to school. That's the ideal setup right there. Does it matter to you personally where you would get the MBA from? I think I'd be lying to myself if I said it didn't. I either want to go one or two directions. I want to get like just my, my dad, who's no longer uh, with us, you know, he loved the University of Georgia. So I always thought, you know, it'd be fun to get like a degree from UGA just because we're Georgia fans. I also like the idea of like doing like Emory or some other really high-end school just because it was hard, you know? That might be the only other reason. You think that having these milestones, like you want to climb Everest, you want to get an MBA, having those like higher set goals for yourself have kind of helped you propel your business. Like, do you have the same type of standards and set goals for your businesses? Yes. I think they've evolved over time. I, I definitely in the beginning thought, you know, I, I want to make sure that this is profitable. I want to scale it. And at first I, I thought, you know what? I want to be a, you know, I guess what, how many figures would that be? Eight figure, seven figure, whatever company. Um, and just have all these employees and build this big thing. And then over time I realized, you know, that's not really what I want. That's somebody else's version. And so then I designed my business in a way that it was going to be a lifestyle and it was not a huge burden. And so we definitely have cost and, you know, stuff associated with the company, but I wanted little to no overhead, which we, we still have overhead, but like not nearly as much as most companies. Um, just because I want peace of mind. I thought, you know what, I, there's a limit to this. So I'll only take on a certain number of clients every single month and I'll deliver a high quality of service. I personally manage each account, but that is almost building myself a job, not a business. But and the other things I'm a partner in, I like that because I, I don't have a job. 
You know, I can, I come in and add strategic value. I tell people, Hey, here's where I think we should go with the marketing and sales. But if I'm not there, it doesn't collapse. How do you decide which clients to take and which to kind of say, Hey, this isn't going to work. First qualifier is, do I think that we can make marketing that's profitable for them? So was whatever we create, is it actually going to drive their bottom line? And are they going to really get revenue from this? Um, and if so, is it going to pay for my services as well as whatever ad costs that we have? And hopefully, you know, 10 times over at least. So that's the first qualifier. And then the second qualifier is just if they're a nice person. <laughs> <laughs> Seems pretty um, simple. <laughs> yeah. But Sometimes. You'd be surprised. Yeah, yeah. You'd be surprised. Maybe one out of 10. I don't think our marketing is going to be profitable because their, their margin is not enough or their target market is really small or they don't have a good business model or I just don't know how, you know, just being honest. So then the other one would be, other another one out of 10 would be, man, it's not a good fit, you know, like they're just, yeah. they don't trust people. And I, I've yet to find a great phrase for them, but like I see it a lot with like lawyers, um, sometimes real estate agents. It's like a scarcity mindset or a lack of trust, but not all real estate lawyers are that way, but that's just where I see it the most. When you were first starting out, so you had, you know, like zero clients, how did you figure out who you're going to reach out to and how did you market yourself having, I mean, your experience was working with the yeah. one campaign and social media and stuff, but how did you kind of market yourself? It was anybody and everybody, man. I mean, it's a, it's a numbers game. So you have to reach out to as many people as possible because we were trying to pay off student loan debt. I couldn't, I could, I didn't want to put money into advertising yet because we were so strapped on cash. And so I just thought I'm going to find every free way that I can to build a connection with somebody and provide them value. And a lot of it looked like doing free work and a lot of it looked like getting really underpaid and a lot of it looked like dealing with really not nice people. Learned a lot though. <laughs> Got to start at the bottom, build your way up. You totally do. You know, occasionally somebody has a breakout, like they just break out and they're amazing. Like I've seen a few photographers do that. And I just think that most, most businesses like that, you should just be prepared, be prepared to work really hard the first two years and learn a lot. So you would say it took a solid two years for you to kind of reach a steady clientele base or just steady overall? Yeah, I would. Um, I would say that like it was probably probably two years in and I also got a thing called a story brand certification. And what it does is it uses the elements of story to create messaging that's profitable and people actually want to listen to instead of it becoming white noise. And so, yeah, I think that was the first thing that I was like, all right, I'm gonna commit to this. I spent like $10,000 to get the certification. Um, it's $5,000 to renew it every single year in addition to training that's required. It's a lot. You know, I learned a lot from my peers. I got a lot of great friends that were um, in the marketing space. I'll just say that we have, we have more leads and not that we know what to do with, but we're good. We're good right now. And I don't worry. Like I, I know that they eventually come, you know, I've been in this a long enough time. What are the two biggest things that you've learned from being a business owner? You're ultimately responsible. So, you know, if something doesn't go right or somebody doesn't answer an email, somebody doesn't do good work. Uh, it falls on you. And so I think that there's a responsibility to it. Uh, another thing I guess I've learned with business is just how to scale and grow a company. I don't have any eight figure companies yet or ones that I'm a part of, but uh, I think that, you know, the stuff that we've done so far has been really fun. And so I feel really, I want to buy a business tomorrow. Like, let's say I'm like looking at a listing and I'm like, Oh, I want to buy 
a Dunkin' Donuts, which is a little bit different because it's a franchise, but I just want to buy this business or whatever. I feel confident I would know how to grow it. So I know that's kind of abstract, but it feels really cool to just be able to like, oh, I'm just going to pick and choose this. Do you think that takes time, obviously, to get to that point? or? Yeah, 100%. Because you have to learn what works and what doesn't. Because I feel like if uh, some MBA grad, which, you know, like we, like we mentioned, I might be one day, but somebody who learns the stuff on paper may not really get how to do that practically. You know, they may understand the theory of it and the theory might be right, but in the nuts and bolts of how to make that happen, I just don't know that they're there yet. What was the biggest mistake that you've learned from? This is why I decided to, to do mainly small business investing because I realized the lesson very simply is to stay in your own lane. So like whatever you become good at, uh, it's called strengths investing. So invest in your strengths. And if you want to be a really good day trader, do that, you know, but if you want to be really good at picking stocks, try that. That's fine. But to me, I was reading hot tips on the internet about what stocks I should pick. And one of them was um, a company called MoviePass, which is no longer in existence. I remember and MoviePass. Yeah. It just wasn't profitable. Like even the numbers didn't work out, but I was just caught up in it, you know, just caught up in the hype that this stock was so cheap and I could get in on it. And which is, is why I didn't like go for Hertz or any of these other companies that are going bankrupt right now, just because their stock is cheap. I learned in that moment, hey, this is not my thing. I just wasted a lot of money trying to pick a stock and it did not go well. And that's not a good investing strategy either, just to pick one stock and put all your chips in that basket. And I remember the moment I bought the stock, just a few thousand, and then it dropped. And then I averaged down, which means that you buy into it when it's down to kind of lower your average cost per stock. And then it went up and it went up for one day. And I thought, this is the time to sell. I should probably sell. And I thought, no, it's going to ride it out. It's going to be greedy. It's going to sit here and take all, this is going to be huge. I'm going to make so much money. And it just shot down to zero. All that was gone. Just wrote it off as a loss that year. It's good. Look at you now. You're good. Yeah, it's all fine. Gladly <laughs> I didn't hedge all my savings on yeah. fast. You have caffeine. But then you yeah. also have Evan Knox. So what, what are the differences between the two websites and the two kind of brands? Are they two separate yeah. companies or what is it? Technically, I run it under the caffeine brand. Um, so as an LLC for anybody out there who's a business owner, it's under the same LLC, but you're, the technical term is doing business as. That's like what you would write on paperwork for it. But then at the very bottom, you put you know, whatever your LLC name is on there. Generally, if a company is under a certain mark and they can't afford our services, then Evan Knox would be a good fit to potentially be a partner if they can't afford the agency fees. Do you want to keep both of them going like long-term or would you want to kind of merge both of them? What are your thoughts with that? I, I yeah, I'll just say that if you've never bought your domain name and you've, you know, if it's for sale, just go ahead and buy it because I had to buy mine and it's a couple thousand dollars. So I'll always keep that website now. No one's ever taken that from me. I mean, I don't know. I think personal brands ebb and flow in importance, but I do like the idea of having it. So I don't, if it ever turns into anything, it'll just stay a personal brand website. If I ever want to write a book one day or um, start my own podcast, whatever that may look like, I'll probably keep that. But as far as caffeine goes, I, I love it. I really enjoy it. 
That being said, investing is more fun because in my opinion, it's a lot cleaner. So if I've got a client, I'm taking money from the client and saying, Hey, you got to trust me. Like we should do X, Y, Z. I know this is going to make you money, but they're afraid to make that investment. But if they're my business partner, I'm like, Hey, let's lock arms. Let's do this together. Like let's grow your company together. And I love partnerships. Caffeine is solely owned by me, but I'm a big fan of having partners. And I've got, you know, obviously a couple of partnerships going right now. Is caffeine hundred percent remote? Yeah. Okay. How many people do you have working for you? So the way that I've set it up is I'm the only full-time W2 employee and I've got specialists for each like separate service. Um, so that way we're able to provide basically the highest level of Squarespace design or Shopify design uh, or copywriting or wireframes or sales funnels, whatever that may be. Um, I pull in a different person for each. When you're hiring someone, what are you yeah. looking for? What is your company value? Character, competency, culture. So are they a good person? Are they solid? Do they have a great work ethic? Culture, are they a good fit with the team? Do they understand that? Um, are they going to fit our vibe, whatever we're going for? And then competency, so the actual skill sets. So I look at all three of those whenever we're hiring or trying to bring somebody on for those teams. Um, those are really just the filters that I use. They're from a thing called EOS. And EOS is called the Entrepreneur's Operating System. I don't even remember the guy's name that made it. Um, but it's, in my opinion, it's one of the best ways to run a company. That and a book called Clockwork by Mike Michalowicz. So those two things are what I use as filters. If you had a book written about you, what would the title of the book be? Oh my gosh. I would love for it to be called Grit. Yeah? Um, Isn't that already taken by, didn't Angela Duckworth? I don't know. Don't ruin it for me. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. No, no, it probably is. It probably is. Um, and honestly, I think of stuff like that because on, in comparison, I'm not probably that gritty in comparison to the greatest generation, people who've served them more. Um, so I always feel weird saying something like that. But to me, that's a character that I value in myself. And I feel like it's helped me be successful is that grit and getting through stuff and also just resiliency. You know, I, I grew up in a fairly affluent, you know, neighborhood here in Atlanta, but eventually my parents got a divorce. My dad relapsed and was on narcotics. Everything got taken away. Everything got mm -hmm. foreclosed on, um, you know, experienced some emotional trauma. You know, so it's like, I, I've been through something, you know, it may not be, I, I think everybody has to at some point grab a certain internal locus of control and go, you know what? I'm not going to let my life be dictated by what other people say and do. I'm going to do, I'm going to control me. What does an average day look like for you if you were to describe to someone? So I uh, get up before five o'clock and get up on my first alarm. I wake up, I drink water, I drink um, my coffee. Or I get my coffee actually. I get my coffee, I take it to my table, and then I drink a smoothie and the water I mentioned. And I go sit down and I'll do a quiet time and I'll read the Bible. I read a devotional. Then I read a proverb and I read the proverb in correlation to whatever day of the week or day of the month it is. Um, and then I'll, sometimes I'll listen to worship music and just pray and stuff like that. Sometimes I won't. Um, and then I'll go from there and I'll answer emails and I'll do all emails, slacks, uh, sometimes LinkedIn messages if I get to it. And I'll basically do that until about six ten or so. And then I'll work out, either go and run or I'll work out. And at that point, I'll generally drive to the office or drive, drive somewhere to go work in light of, you know, COVID. Um, <laughs> and yeah, so I do that and I'll work in probably till about 
four or so. And then I'll come home and kick back and hang out with the fam. And sometimes I'll go do Brazilian Jiu Jitsu in the evening, um, which is a lot of fun and makes me feel really cool. <laughs> what made you get into that? I was in high school and I didn't do it in high school, but I was in high school and we had a friend in our group and he was very unassuming in some ways. He was definitely strong, but he wasn't like this big dude. And we would wrestle, like we'd have like, we call them fight nights <clears throat> and we'd stay over at somebody's house and we would watch UFC. And it was, I don't know whose idea this was, but we would just, you know, lay down some mattresses and duel it out and then watch UFC afterwards and eat wings. And I remember the guy who did Brazilian Jiu Jitsu would kick all of our butts. And so I thought, you know what, one day when I got some time and money, I'm gonna try to, I'm gonna try to see if I could do that. Obviously, learning new skills is important outside of your business life. How do you integrate that into your businesses and whether it's a new program or new skills that you need to learn or that pop up in the industry, how do you maintain being on par with those? I do it in almost cycles at this point. So when I was first starting, I would always pay attention to whatever the latest news was and I just get exhausted by that. And I thought, you know what, it's better for me to just get really good at what we're doing here right now. And then just kind of basically put my head down for a couple of weeks, work really hard for clients and stuff like that. And then, Oh, okay. I got, I don't have any work to do this week. You know, I've already got everything taken care of and uh, kind of peaked my head back up. You know, okay. What course do I want to buy? You know, what books do I want to read? So I just ordered five books. Um, so I need to get through all of those. So I love reading podcasts are pretty decent on learning stuff too. There's so much information out there. There's no point in trying to learn it all. That's yeah. why, that's why I hire people who are specialists. Um, if you had 30 to 60 seconds, complete stranger came up to you and they asked you what you did. How would you answer? It's going to sound scripted. Hey, what's up? My name is Evan. I'm the founder of caffeine marketing. We make marketing profitable for small companies that are doing less than $50 million a year. So if you're a small business owner, executive, and you want to grow your company where you work at, we can make your marketing profitable by building websites, advertising and marketing strategy that can help ultimately grow your company. I'm also a small business investor. So if you feel stuck in your business and you want to help grow it, um, and you need help there. I can help you there. Also a dad now and a husband. Sounds like I just watched an infomercial essentially. What are two pros and two cons to what you do? Pros, I get to talk to a lot of cool people. Pros, I get to help people. And then cons, definitely with marketing. If I ever just decided to go live in Thailand for a year and not pay attention to anything, I would have a lot to catch up on because the industry is always evolving. Strategies are always changing and it would be a lot to get caught back up to speed. So that's a con. It definitely is. There's a shelf life and I'm really only valuable to the extent that I can grow a company. Either con is probably risk. I don't really, I've not felt that though. You know, like I, my name is probably attached to a lot of business documents. You know what I mean? And there's some separation there when they're different entities and you have partners and they're certain classifications. But I mean, there really is a lot of risk. What childhood use are you as, you know, eight, 10, 12, whatever age you want to pick, would you be happy with where you are now and what you're doing? I think Lil Kid would be jazzed. Um, he probably would not like how much work, like how hard I have to work. I've worked the standard amount of hours, but I'm just, hyper-focused all of those hours. 
So eight-year-old I'd be like, that doesn't sound like fun. I think they'd be like, you don't want to go like ride dirt bikes or like go go fishing or something. Like, yeah, probably. If you had 24 hours to live, unlimited money, could travel anywhere at the snap of your fingers so you can bring whoever you want with you, what would you do? I would get private jets to go get all my friends and my family and we would just spend time together. We'd probably go somewhere bougie just because, you know, well. why wouldn't you? Yeah. So maybe we'd go in like some ski lodge in the Alps or something. The podcast is called What's Next? So what's next with your investing, caffeine, Evanarks? So I'm not where, I guess I do have a goal. Uh, my goal is, it's, I would say, I don't know if I'm going to hit it or not. It's scary if I'm going to hit it or not. But there's this community called FIRE community. I'm not really a part of the community. Financially independent, retired early, whatever. Okay. The general principle is that you have passive income or enough money that you don't have to work. You work because you want to, not because you have to. And I'm not there yet. I still have to, we still have to show up to work. You know what I mean? But the next thing for me is working towards that. My two takeaways from my conversation with Evan are, first, weigh the pros and cons before going to college. Do you really need it? Are you going to be the one paying off the debt? And then you can make and then you can make an informed decision based off of answering these questions and similar questions to realize if it's the right path for you. Or maybe you do what he did and you go later and you figure out the best way for you to get that degree that you want and you know what you want your degree to be in at that point. The second is don't try and learn all of the new trends at once. Get to work on perfecting one and then pick up another and build up your skill set like that. It's better to be good at a few than mediocre at the whole lot. You can always learn as you go. 